America, far too long we've had agendas. Far too long we've had programs. Far too long we've had schedules. Far too long we've had mindsets and the way things are done. You know what? Life in the kingdom is really simple. It's show and tell. It's literally follow the leader. It's Simon says, except it's Jesus says. Jesus says, do this, you do this. Jesus says, don't do that, you don't do that. I didn't obey. I mean, I just didn't obey last night. You know why? Because I didn't ask. You know how many times we just don't ask? Jesus, what do you want me to do? We have ideas about what we should do. We have Christian ideas about what we are supposed to do. We have Christian dogma about what it means to be a Christian. We have Christian rules and regulations about how you act and what you say and what you don't say. And I'm telling you, it is, it is time to get out of all of that. It's time to get out of all of that. The body of Christ needs to be released. The body of Christ has been held captive in the pew for too long. This is not the Shalice show. This is the Jesus show. Amen. And Jesus looks like you. That's who Jesus looks like. He looks like you. Praise God. Amen. I'll just preach while we're doing this. Amen. I'll just preach while we're doing this. You know, the other thing that's really important while I'll say, well, I'm doing this. Okay, let me switch mics here. And I'll, I'll hopefully, we'll see if we get to open the Bible. But, you know, we are to judge no man after the flesh. We are to judge no man after the flesh. And if we're to judge no man after the flesh, that means that we've got to have eyes to see that are not fleshly eyes. We are supposed to discern who people are. We are supposed to prophesy into who people are. We are supposed to see beyond the flesh, and we're supposed to see the glory of the inheritance that is in the saints. We're supposed to see what Jesus looks like inside of every single person, both the saved and the unsaved. Both the saved and the the pre-saved. Do you know that you didn't look different to the Father when you got saved because he sees the end from the beginning? You were predestined into the adoption of sons before the foundation of the world. He chose you. He chose you before you knew enough to choose him. He chose you enough. He chose you before you knew enough to choose him. And he saw you not pre-saved, post-saved. He saw you as his child. And he saw you in the fullness of your glory. He saw you in the fullness of your anointing. He saw you finished. He saw the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He saw the end from the beginning. He doesn't see you in process. He sees you complete, complete in him. And he sees the lost complete in him. But we judge after the flesh. We judge each other after the flesh. We judge the world by the flesh. We judge according to the wisdom of men that is sensual, even devilish, rather than judging according to the spirit. If you can't love the lost, then you don't have the love of Christ. Because he's God so loved the world. He loved the world. He loved the lost. He loved the sinner. He loved the ones that didn't know to worship him. He loved the ones that nobody else would touch. He loved the untouchables. And he saw something in them. He said, you know what, Simon? Your name is Peter. 
He saw him as Peter. He didn't see him as Simon. He saw him as Peter. And you know what? He saw him as Peter long before Peter saw himself as Peter. He saw Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Amen? He saw Abraham as a father of many nations. This isn't just a new covenant thing. He was always calling out the golden people. He was always calling things that be not as though they were. He was always calling people up into the fullness of the stature of Jesus. So he never, ever talks to you where you are. He never, ever talks to you about who you're not. Because the way he sees you is the way he sees himself. Because you've been joined together with him. Those that are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. You are complete. You are perfected. You are holy. You are righteous. Why? Because you're in Christ. You were baptized into Christ. You were put inside of perfection. And that's where you live now. Old things have passed away. They only exist in your mind. They only exist. The old man only exists in your unrenewed mind. That's the only place he's alive because you were crucified with Christ. Amen? And church is about releasing the body. Church is about releasing you into the ministry that God has placed inside of you, the work of the ministry. It's about you getting equipped and released. This is one of the most powerful things that a body does. A body says yes and amen to who you are. A body says yes and amen to what you're carrying. A body says yes and amen to you being sent. A body says yes and amen to you when you aren't even feeling like you. A body reminds you of who you are. A body encourages and edifies. That's what the body does. Amen? Even when you're acting crazy. Amen? The body doesn't forget who you are because they judge no man after the flesh. On your worst day, amen, they still love you. On your, on your acting crazy day, they still remember who you are. Amen? amen? And you don't let your brothers and sisters get away with it. You say, that's not who you are. I see you, just like Avatar. Ava, what is that movie? Okay, I thought Avalon for some reason. I was like, am I saying it right? Just like Avatar, amen? I see you. I see you. I see My question is, do you see each other? Do you see each other? I'm telling you, God is showing me some stuff about the body of Christ in this region. And it is tempting. It is tempting to get negative. It is tempting to get negative about Jesus' body. It is tempting to get negative about his bride across the planet. It is tempting to judge the Western church. It's tempting to judge the world. It is tempting to judge one another. It is tempting to see faults and, and, and just to think, man, this thing is hopeless. It is so tempting to see what is wrong with America. It is so tempting to see what is wrong with Obama. It is so tempting to see, can I just say this? That is not the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ does not see what is wrong. The spirit of Christ sees what is right. That's what the spirit of Christ does. It sees what is right. And if it sees something wrong, it calls it right. Amen? Amen. And I'm telling you, the enemy wants our tongues. He wants our tongues. He wants our speech because it's powerful. It's powerful. It matters what you say. It matters what you think. Amen? And I'll say this, it matters whose agenda you're on. 
You know, I'm sitting here thinking about how I didn't even ask for the agenda just last night. I didn't ask for the agenda. And you know what? I don't know what I missed. I don't know what I missed because I wasn't on God's agenda. And you know what I did was good. I went to go see Dan Moeller. That's a good thing. Dan Moeller's great. But do you know that wasn't where I'm supposed to be? How many times in a given week are we where we're not supposed to be? How many times do we just even ask? You know? All right. Well, Father, we release Alicia in all of her glory. (laughs) We just say yes to the transfiguration of Alicia, God. We thank you that the knowledge of your glory is covering the waters because she's going. Thank you that the knowledge of the glory inside of her is promoting her. Thank you that she sees herself clearly. Thank you that no man can stand before her all the days of her life, as you were with Moses, as you were with Paul, as you were with David, as you were with Jonathan, as you were with Esther, as you've been with everyone that's gone before God, that great cloud of witnesses that have done exploits in your name, God, I thank you that you're with her. You're in her, you're upon her, and I thank you that she hears your voice clearly, the voice of a stranger she does not follow, And thank you that it's really simple. Thank you that following you is really simple. Thank you that it's just as simple as just saying okay. And so we just bless her. We thank you for all of the testimonies and all of the heaven that is being released through her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, we're sending out a daughter this week, and we're welcoming a daughter back this week. So this is awesome. This is a good Sunday. Turn this thing on. Come on up, eh? Welcome home, girlfriend. Yay! This is our Mozambican princess that has come back from Mozambique in her time with Heidi and Iris Ministries. And I asked Amy just to kind of share... I feel like she's just got a word of the Lord, and I feel like she's got a prayer for this house. And so I want you just to share what's on your heart. Just let it flow. I'm a little scared of the mic that it's going to start making noise. Okay. Um. Hi. There's so many faces I don't recognize, um, which is a good thing, I reckon. So welcome, y'all. Um, hey, you. I don't remember your name. What's your name back there? Mm-hmm. Thank you. I saw. I remember seeing you before I left. Um, and before I tell you just a little bit about Mozambique, I have to, um, Mary, you just totally blessed me because um, these are his parents visiting from South Carolina. What was really cool is 
he got a blanket and he put it over his parents so they wouldn't be cold and because um, they're from South Carolina. So um, it was cool. It doesn't matter how old you are. You still honor your parents. And I think that is really honorable. And that really blessed me. So I just wanted you to know that. Um, so those of you who don't know me, you're probably wondering, A, what is Mozambique and where is it? And it's actually a country in Africa. And it's a beautiful country, but it's also the poorest country in the world. Um, and uh, why did I go? Because I get that sometimes. It's, why did you go? Because there's poor people here. And I like to tell you it's God because I kept having dreams and I was in Mozambique. And I kept seeing signs in Portuguese and I don't read Portuguese. Um, <laughs> I still don't. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I saw lots of black children and we were feeding them and I just kept having this dream over and over again. And I remember telling one of my friends about it. And the person was like, I think you're supposed to go to Mozambique. And I went, no, that can't be it. Um, and I just kept praying. I was like, God, I don't know. Because um, I, was, I was there for three months um, in my dreams. And I've been a long-term missionary. I've been a short-term missionary. But I've never done a three-monther. And I never heard of such a thing. And the Holy Spirit um, told me one morning to Google Iris. And I was like, is that really Holy Spirit? Because that's really whack. So I Googled Iris. And, um, and it came, brought me to Iris Global Ministries which is Heidi Baker's um, ministry that she has all over the world. And there was like a short-term mission tab. And there was like tons of tabs. One was short-term mission. I remember looking at that going, man, if I click on that and that says three months, um, then I guess I'm going to Mozambique. And, and I remember kind of going, okay, am I really doing this? And so I remember clicking on it, and it said um, Mozambique, Pember Mozambique, three months. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to Mozambique. And that's how that kind of, and it happened quickly because it was in March and I ended up leaving in May. So that's just a little backdrop, those of you who don't know me. And um, Mozambique is on the east coast of Africa. I say that because I also get the question of, um, were you in contact with Ebola virus? And the answer is no. That's West uh, Africa. And um, my parents had limited uh, internet over there, limited electricity and no running water. But somehow my mom got a text through, are you near Ebola? And I was like, relax. No, that's the other side of Africa. And she's like, I don't understand. I said, it's a big continent. You know? Um, so um, I, I was not in contact, or nor near uh, Ebola. And then people were like, well, did you get on the plane? I went, I don't know. I think I would notice if someone had red eyes and they were bleeding, because um, that's kind of the symptoms. Um, so... I, People, you know, they don't know. It's okay. Um, so then, um, anyways, people ask, like, well, what are you doing over there? What's going on? And um, so I'm going to give you a little backdrop on that, too, so you kind of get a feel. Uh, Heidi Baker and her ministry um, have these schools. They're called Harvest Schools. And you go into Pemba, and um, basically you have some teachings in the morning, and then in the afternoons and evenings you go out and you just, wherever God leads you and whatever your thing is, and um, you go into the villages, the poorest of the poor, and then, and, um, and I might just start crying because I just do that now, um, so I'm just letting you know, because I'm just not going to apologize anymore, I'm just a blubbering idiot. 
it's true. Um, um, because you're in mud huts. They have one light bulb, by the way. What the curiosity for me is that the line, one light bulb is like stuck in the middle of the mud, and there's no wires or switch. For the longest time, I was just like, where? How does that light bulb work? <laughs> um, but yeah, one light bulb for a mud hut. And um, anyways, uh, very very poor, poor poor people. Their their motive or goal for a day is just to live. But you know what the cool thing is? As poor as they are, they don't know where their next meal is coming from, really. They're always smiling, and they're always singing, and they have beautiful voices. And it was just always a reminder that we're supposed to be praising and worshiping, no matter what situation we're in. And, um, yeah, count all joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength, which is the why, which we also learned over and over again. It's the number one thing Satan always goes for, because if he can get your joy, He's got your strength, and that's when you spiral down. And um, so we would go into the villages, and uh, it, by the way, it's a Muslim nation, um, and we do not proselytize. Thank you for articulating. <laughs> I needed that. Proselytize. I guess I said that five times. Um, and um, but we would just go and love on people. It's learning to stop for the, the one person. It's not like trying to reach thousands of people. Just stop for the one and love on them and hug them. And, you know, they're just, sometimes it's disgusting. The stench is so powerful at times. And runny noses and diseases and worms crawling out of their skin. And literally, and um, eyeballs falling out of their socket. Literally. And you just go up to them and you just hug them. This doesn't matter. Then laying hands on people because you know what God called us to heal the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead. He really didn't say pray about it. And if you, I challenge you, if you can find that in the New Testament to pray for the sick, I will give you all the money I have. Which don't get excited. Um, but, um, but I would because I can't find it in there. And when we go to villages, we'd say all the blind people and all the deaf just come up first. Because these, you know, these, they're Muslims, but they got witchcraft and witch doctors all going on. And, um, and they're, you know, they stand there, and it's like, they're friendly, but they're just like, like this kind of thing. And like 200 village people in the bush bush, we call it bush bush, because it's out in the middle of nowhere. And um, which, even though they have nothing, they always seem to have a cell phone. Um, <laughs> I, and they're the flippers. They're not like smartphones, but they're flippers. I... This was a concept I never really understood. But regardless, um, they would bring their blind and their deaf people. And we lay hands on them. And people who never saw before because they didn't even have eyeballs, but you would, they would grow. And the people that were deaf could hear. And limbs would grow out. I wanted it to raise the dead. But no one would sacrifice for me. <laughs> um, but I really wanted to see it. And I still keep praying for it. But... Once you once they see the signs and wonders, then they then they're ready to hear about Jesus who loves them so much. And um, that's the whole purpose: is not to go ooh, ah, what a neat sign and wonder. It's all it's all about Jesus and how much He loves them. It's the goodness of God that brings people to salvation, not harping on their their religion and and whatnot. And um, mostly, Mozambique is a peaceful nation, even though they're Muslim. 
but there are parts in Bush Bush where um, people are being murdered for their faith. And a pastor a couple months ago was taken out of his mud hut in front of his eight children and um, was bound hand and foot. And um, the zealots, zealot Muslims, um, said, you will never speak of your Jesus in this village again. They cut out his tongue. And then you will never give in the name of Jesus. And they cut off his hands. And you will never walk in this village in the name of Jesus. And they cut off his feet. And then they cut off his head his children and his wife. And here, but here's the good part. Um, they found one of the murderers. Eight, there's four of them, I think. And um, they said, you know, they went to Heidi Baker and her troops and said, what do you want to do? You want to press charges, of course. And she said, no, don't press charges. It's a whole different government system over there. There's no, like, going before court and all that and they said um, we'd like to release the guy and let him know that we love Jesus and so she sent one of her pastors there to help get the guy released because we're going to release you but we just want you to know before you go you have to hear this part Jesus loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you and the guy got saved and he went back to the same um, village where he slaughtered the pastor and he told him saved now, and the whole village got saved. So, this is just going to focus on what happened to this man who was murdered for Christ, who walked into his heaven. Um, but, um, it's, it all comes down to love. Everything comes down to love. I'm, I'm learning that. And I ask Jesus, why did you bring me all the way across the world? You could have showed and taught me this here. And he was like, well, because I need to heal your heart, too. And this is also part of your, your, your calling, and I just need you to be over here. And uh, I wanted to really make sure that you heard me. And um, the different parts of my heart that needed healed, uh, Jesus was like, he, he's so cool, too. The Holy Spirit's so cool about this. He, he would ask me, are you ready for this part, this part of your heart to be healed? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's work on another part that doesn't seem near as painful. And he would. And then he, he'd come back to that one part. Are you, are you ready for that part to be healed? I was like, yeah, I think I am. And he's like, great. I'm going to need you to feel all that pain because you've been bearing it and keeping it numb, which, you know, sometimes we do, right? Because good Christians don't feel that. Good Christians are always joyful and smiling. And, um, and we are supposed to be. Um, but we tend to bury down our feelings. So I had to feel some of those feelings, and God was like, okay, now I can heal that. So that he had to do that for me. Um, and he's still doing it. But um, uh, I got the privilege of teaching English to some of um, the girls there. Some of the or- you know, We don't call them orphans. Um, Heidi refuses to call those children orphans that she's rescued off the streets and out of the dump. And they don't call themselves orphans, too. Like, they know their, their family. Um, so I had the privilege of teaching English to some of them, helping them pass their uh, tests so they can go on to college. And um, like, how do they go to college if they don't have any money and it's really poor? Oh, I'm glad you asked. If you were um, ever interested in helping somebody, you can go to the website and you can donate. You can actually help some of these or- orphans, these children, get through school, get through college and stuff. Um, 
and it's how some of these girls go, and some of these girls, um, like Heidi's their mama, they call them Mama Heidi, Mama Heidi. And uh, in my dreams, I kept seeing the children kept calling me Mama, and I was like, Mom, I don't know what that means. I get over there, all the children call me Mama, and I was like, and I'm single, by the way, and I have no, I have no children, but I kind of do now, and they're all in Africa, but I think they're everywhere else too. So we stopped for the one there, but no, we stopped for the one here. So this is right, you know, when you get your pedicure or you're going to Walmart or you're getting a coffee, you can stop and put on love, right? It's showing them love. And sometimes showing them love is just smiling at them. And sometimes it's listening to their story. Um, sometimes it's just walking in the street and just asking someone, can I pray for you? Can I bless you? I've only had two people go, no, you cannot bless me. Okay, really curse you. Um, but most of the people go, yeah. I would love it if you prayed over me. And then you get an opportunity to go, oh, is there any aches or pains? Can I can I just lay hands on you? It's just stopping for the one, you know? Um, so uh, there's a couple of verses I wanted to share, if that's okay, because we're in church. Um, First Corinthians, this is my journal, by the way. Because um, we wanted, hey, should be the scripture are there. It's not a Bible, it's a journal, and I wrote in it. And it's big, so I can read it. First uh, Corinthians 16, 13 through 14 says, Be on guard. Stand true to what you believed. Be courageous. Be strong. Everything you must, you do must be done with love. It didn't really, um, it's not really a suggestion, I noticed. It's, it's really a directive um, that everything must be done with love. And um, another passage to you is in Isaiah 58, 6 through 11. This is, by the way, you're wondering what version is. It's the message version. Um, it's just as holy. Okay, some of you, I just want to make sure you know that. Um, this is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation, in the workplace, free the oppressed, and cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor to your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, and being available to <clears throat> your own families. Do this, and the lights will turn on, and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way, and the God of glory will be secure, will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and he'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, and you quit blaming victims, and you quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you are... If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness, and your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight, and I will show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiness of places, firm muscles and strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. 
You'll rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, and make the community livable again. That is the prayer for my life. And that is the prayer I have for Prayer Mountain and Woodland Park. don't know what I'll do tomorrow. I just take day by day. My goal is to get back to Africa. To all the other countries in Africa. Particularly Mozambique too. But that doesn't mean that there isn't work to be done here. It doesn't mean that Woodland Park is not near as important as because it is but it's our, our um, love that we have for each person in this church and in our community um, that will change Woodland Park and um, bring more here to love Jesus because we should be loving people to the cross and not dragging them and I think we drag them when we condemn them or make them feel guilty, or make them come to the cross out of fear. So I think loving them is maybe key. I don't know about y'all, but I'd rather be loved and not dragged. So, um, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Good job, Amy. Awesome. You know, when one of us goes, it's like a piece of us goes. Amen. Um, I just want to remind you, I know we're kind of wrapping up here on time today, um, which is okay. I had a good day. I had a really good time. Um, I wanted to remind everybody, if you weren't here last week, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you homework, right? Um and I said, ask everybody to get the book, Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. All right. Um, you know, my prayer for everyone in this body, my prayer for um, the city, my prayer for this region is a very simple. It's one word, and it's the word wholeness. That's my prayer. And my prayer is, um, you know, I've been really diving into that word. Such a powerful word. It's such a powerful picture. I mean, I, I am the, just that meditation of what wholeness actually is and the price that Jesus paid for that. You know, because the world is so broken, I mean, the world, the church, everything's broken. I mean, we live on a fallen, orphaned planet. It's broken. Our most, you know, healthy families many times are still not operating in the love of the Trinity, you know, which is the perfect picture of love, the perfect family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, wholeness is powerful. I, I think one of the pictures that I've really been, it's been helping me with wholeness, 
is the transfiguration, the idea of transfiguration. Because when we got born again, when we, we were placed inside of Christ, wholeness was a gift. It was something that Jesus paid for for us. He paid a great, great price for us to have wholeness. You know, wholeness impacts every area of our life. It impacts our finances. It impacts our, our bodies, our health, right? Uh, it impacts every relationship. You cannot have wholeness in dysfunctional relationships. And how many families, natural families, just have all kinds of mess? How many marriages? How many brothers and sisters? How many parents and children? How many just, and then don't even get us started on the body of Christ and our spiritual family and our churches. And, uh, and, and part of it, you know, it's when you're just, you're broken, you don't know what fixed looks like. And when there's not examples, you know, it's one thing to have theory. It's another thing to actually see it, experience it, have, have, have examples of this. And I'm telling you, it's hard to come by. And I'll also say this, wholeness will promote you effortlessly. Effortlessly. You won't have to do a thing. You will stand out like a sore thumb. You will be so different and so peculiar and so foreign just because you have your whole. And um, I am so thankful for um, the ministry of Danny Silk. I am so thankful for the dysfunction that he lived through. (laughs) I really am. I'm thankful for him getting married to someone who their their premarital compatibility test was so horrible that the psychologist that administered it told them, told the pastor who was Bill Johnson, do not let this couple get married. Like, do not let them get married. Like they didn't, it was, Bill said he didn't say anything. He said it was so bad. It was so bad. And Danny said, I can tell you the next 11 years prove out that that was true. You know, and that's just, that's just his marriage. You know, there's, Danny has such a, just a a revelation, a God-given gift. He is a gift to the body of Christ, specifically to talk through what heaven looks like in, in the, in the context of relationships. And, you know, I get so frustrated when I start to talk, when I hear people that, you know, just feel like it's just them and Jesus. It's just them and Jesus. I'm the bride of Christ. It's just me and Jesus. You know, that's, 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 that's a truth, but that is not the whole truth. Okay. Because how much Jesus you actually have is going to manifest in the context of your relationships. You can be all holy by yourself, but you can't love without there being someone else in your life. Love has to have expression. Right. And, um, you know, for those of you that are a part of Prayer Mountain or even new here, you know, in December, we embarked on a pretty, um, I don't know, roller coaster ride, I guess is the best way to explain it. When we made the decision to follow what Jesus was telling us to do and to pursue greater levels of inner healing and to repair the foundation. And, um, you know, for those of us that have said yes to that and um, are a part of the foundation here, I mean, I can tell you it's been a completely undoing. It's been unraveling in many ways. It's been um, 
it's not been an easy process uh, by any means. It's not easy. It's not easy to look in the mirror. It's not easy to look in the rearview mirror. And I know there's a lot of places that say, you know what, this one thing I do, I forget those things that lie behind. But here's the problem. What lies behind is still controlling you. And you can deny it all you want. You can repress it all you want, but you're not free. Because freedom is effortless. You're not trying to be joyful. You're not trying to believe. You're not trying to love. You do, you are, you just believe. You just love. (laughs) It's something that flows as a fruit. You don't, there's absolutely no doing in it. Trying to be a Christian is not what Jesus died for. Working up your faith. Working up your principles. That is not the, that is not Christianity. Transformation is Christianity. And renewing your mind is how it happens. And oh, by the way, renewing means that you have to tear down something old. And so I, I am all for, I, I absolutely am not confused about the finished work of the cross, but I'm also not confused about what it means to renew your mind and what it means to pursue deeper levels of a renewed mind. That's what inner healing is. You start to deal with what's under the surface. You start to deal with what's driving you. You start to deal with your motivations. You start to deal with what's underneath the covers. It's not all about, it's not about what, what is the appearances. It's not about what what you see or what you portray or the facade that you hide behind. It's about what's real. It's about emotional intimacy with yourself. Because if you can't have emotional intimacy with yourself, you can have no emotional intimacy with another person. If you don't know what's going on inside of you, you will never understand what's going on inside of another person. You know, I always had, I'll just share one, I always had a problem listening. And, I mean, people, I mean, it's not like I didn't know I had a problem listening. People were more than happy to tell me that I had a problem listening. But, you know, you tell people their problem. How many people know? See, I know because a lot of people tell me my problems. Maybe you're a lucky person that people don't really tell you your problems. They just talk behind your back. I don't know which is worse. But, but other people see your problems a lot clearer usually than you do. And a lot clearer than they see their own. Have you ever noticed that? We can always see other people so clearly, can't we? They're just, they are messed up. They're so broken. Never ever just thinking, well, goodness, maybe I should turn that same mirror back on myself. You know? But, you know, I had, I'm just going to share this. I don't know. We're going to get out in a minute. But, you know, I had a problem listening. But, you know, you could tell me that all day long. You know, I could try to listen. Do you know that it made me a good listener? I could fake you out and make you think I'm listening. <laughs> That didn't make me a good listener. Right? You know, I grew up, God bless my parents. I love my parents. This is not about my parents. I mean, my parents, I mean, just the fact that, I mean, they put me through college. I mean, like, I am so thankful for the sacrifices of my parents. I mean, if I'd grown up in the circumstances that they grew up in, I'm sure that I would not be half the people that they were. I'm no doubt, I'm not that strong. I mean, my parents are amazingly strong people, survivor people. I mean, I, it's overwhelming to me when I think about what they've gone through. But, you know, they didn't have great relational, relational skills. They didn't know what to do with me. Can I just be that honest? They had no idea what to do with Shalise. I mean, I remember my mom used to say, thank God there's only one of you. <laughs> you know? 
She had, I was an only child and she was, she just knew it was a good thing, you know? But the point is, is that, you know, as, as the Holy Spirit started revealing to me, the Holy Spirit is the changer. The Holy Spirit is the transformer. You can change no one. I can change no one. You can, we're not even in the, we're not supposed to even try. We're called to love, not judge, not try to change. You know how hard it is sometimes not to rescue people? But when we rescue people, do you know that we save them from themselves? Which ultimately is not helping them. Just let them make a mess. That is so hard sometimes. But until you make a mess, because we're afraid of sin, we're afraid of failure, we're afraid of mess, we're afraid, we're afraid of our own junk. But, you know, I started realizing, the Lord started showing me that, I mean, he started giving me these visions of how I had this metal plate over my mouth. And, you know, if you know me, that's the last thing you'd think, that she has a metal plate over her mouth, like she can't talk. I literally had no mouth. And it would come with the worst feeling. And I realized that growing up, I never felt or never had what I sensed, whatever, my own mind, my own thing. I'm not blaming anyone. I believed, Shalise believed, that she did not have a voice, that she could not express herself, that she was not heard. And, you know, it's impossible to listen to somebody else when you're shouting to be understood. And I had this longing, longing, longing in my heart to be understood. And I'll tell you, that's one thing I've lived with, I think, my whole life, is just feeling like I am so misunderstood. And it just perpetuated and perpetuated and perpetuated. It came up one day because Brian and I were going through Keep Your Love On, and we decided we were going to make a covenant with one another to abide by the communication guidelines that are in the communication section. These are brilliant. It's like the goal of communication is to understand. It's not to be heard. It's to understand the other person. You actually have to listen. You have to understand the other person. And we were having a conversation. I'm trying to get him to understand. I'm trying to get him to And he cannot hear me. He literally couldn't hear me. He's like trying to get me to send an email. No, really. I mean, it was a good idea. I mean, he's like, well, why don't you just send me an email? Because I'm not understanding. And I'm getting so mad. I'm getting so angry because he's not understanding me. I'm like, what is wrong? Like, how can you understand me? I'm speaking English. Like, what do you mean? He said, Shalice, this is how it sounds to me. Can you understand me? Blah, 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 blah. Did you get that? Can you understand me? Blah, 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 blah. Did you get that? And I'm telling you, in that moment, something broke. And a scream came out of me that was like a primal primate from someplace inside of me that I still don't even know where it was. My poor husband. He's used to me. He really is. That's the roller coaster right there. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, that thing came out of me. And for the next week, God began to rip that thing off of my mouth. And Brian just put to words a feeling that I have felt my whole life. Screaming to be understood and never understood. 
And you know, when you, it's interesting what God, when God does this stuff. You know, that thing comes off and you're like, here's the thing I love about Jesus. Here's the thing I love about my life and I love about my testimony is it's all him. I am not confused that I'm the weakest person on the planet. I'm not confused that I'm probably not very disciplined in and of myself. I don't have this great flesh like Paul, you know, the Pharisee of the Pharisees. You know, I was the partier of the partiers. You know, if it was fun, I was a professional at that. You know, which isn't very useful in a lot of things. You know what I mean? (laughs) Unless it's a party. (laughs) But my point is, I really want us as a body to go through this book. All right? There is a part of us that needs to be healed. There's things that we just have believed. And those things need to be healed by the Holy Spirit. And he's working through everyday circumstances in our lives right now. He's working through the hard things. He's working through the relational conflicts. He's working through the, I mean, every, he's working in the mundane. He's working in the everyday, nitty-gritty place where you're living right now. He's, he's, he's working when you're doing your laundry. I mean, he is working in the ordinary. Not everything has to be extraordinary. He is doing something in your heart right now through your everyday circumstances. If you will wake up and just let the Lord do what he's doing through that and not run and, and just, you don't have to understand it. You just have to let him do it. Right? And, you know, so there's that part that has to take place for sure. But then there's something else that has to take place, and it's called developing skills. All right? It's developing. You can tear down that old thing all day, but you need to develop new ways of relating. You need to develop healthy ways. For example, I am so committed, so committed in this body, in this region, that we will be an example of this. And I'll tell you what, the enemy always comes for the very thing that you're carrying. And if you had relational drama like I've had relational drama, then that means that there's a specific promise, a specific call on my life. I'm an orphan. Okay, I was adopted. I had three dads by the time I'm three. If you're going to have that much relational dynamic crap in your life, then the enemy knows there's something about family that I carry. There is something about relationships that I'm supposed to walk in. If that area of my life has been so, so dramatically hit, and that's the same in everybody in here. You know, my mom was married three times. I mean, I've just had, you know, I was divorced before I married Brian. I mean, just relational. I mean, I I can tell you, you know, that is an area. But here's the thing. There's skills here. There's skills. It's not just about healing. There's skills. There's skills to be developed. You know, my leadership team. But here's the thing. We are a body that is going to do what Jesus says. We're going to, if we're offended, we're going to go to the person that that we're offended with. If we think somebody's offended with us, we're going to go to them. We're actually going to follow the Bible. Look, I've said this in this region. There are some massive things. I mean, there is such a covenant-breaking spirit over this region. I've never seen anything like it. But that just means that there is a call on this region for relationships in the body of Christ that look like heaven. 
That's the destiny over this region. We can talk all day long about the covenant-breaking spirit over this region, but the, the conversation that Jesus is having is about what the destiny of this region is. And the attack is always an indication of what the call is. So, for example, if you're going through any, whatever, you can start to look, where is the attack in my life? Where is the attack? What is going on in my circumstances right now? Where is the attack on my life? And you can see that that's where the promise is. That's where the destiny is. That's where the anointing is. That's where the battle is, but that's where the victory is. And I'm telling you, I, I, I just know what I know that I know that I know. Don't get caught up in what it looks like right now. Don't get caught up. Don't, 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 you know, you don't survey. You can't go out and survey a battle and, and call it before it's done. You know, don't go by how it looks, you know, because God is for the underdog. Did you know that? God likes the hardest cases. God likes the most, the least qualified. He likes the, he likes the things that he gets the most glory with. So you don't ever write anybody off. You don't ever look at them and say, well, that, they're the way beyond help. No, that's the prime candidate. Amen. Amen. So I'm asking us to get this book. I mean, my team has not even got out of chapter one. Because we can't. You know, I remember I read the first book. First time I read this book, I'll also say this. I read the book the first time. I, I'm like, oh, God, help me. I put that thing down, and I literally was so discouraged. I thought, this guy, like, unless somebody unzips me and put this inside of me, this is impossible for me. Like, I literally, like, it was the most amazing revelation, but so foreign to me. I was so an outsider looking at this. And, you know, I would come up to the encounter room. And I would just cry. I am so aware of my helplessness. And I would cry. I would cry for my children. There's nothing worse than seeing what is right and being powerless to have it. I think that's hell. I literally think it's hell. You know, and I know what it's like to be powerless to change, but you know what? The gospel is the power of salvation. What Jesus accomplished on our behalf is the power. So there's power that is not mine. And God knows the cries of our heart, and he has to get us, you know? I mean, you can know what's wrong with you all day and not change. And so anyway, now I pick it up, and I'm like, it doesn't feel like that anymore. Now I've got this signed agreement with my husband. That last blah, blah, blah conversation was the last time we've had a conflict in our conversations. I'm not saying we're not going to have the next one because we're learning. I mean, you know, we'll say, hey, better go get your list. <laughs> one day I text him, you signed it. Signed it. You know, why? Because we're committed. We're committed. And we were dysfunctional. We didn't even know. We thought the other person was messed up. 
didn't we, honey? <laughs> Look at him. Yeah, he did. He did, man. He did. So anyway, I'm just wanting us to go through it because, like I said, you know, I don't. Here's the deal. I've said this so many times. It's not about how big we are as a body. I mean, would I like to see all the seats filled? I mean, you know what? If we can't love them, no. Honestly, no. I don't need more drama. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't. So if we can learn this stuff, well, then, yeah, maybe we can put some more people in the seats. And, yeah. But let's just practice what we have. I mean, you know, listen, do you, do you even know each other? I mean, you know. I mean, I've got a little spreadsheet with y'all. I've been putting your names in it and stuff, you know. I know my assignment. My assignment's to get under you. My assignment is just to totally get under you and just love you and release you and bless you. You know. So, anyway, I'll quit for today, but really get the book. I mean, if you're going to be a part of this body, you're going to get offended. <laughs> wants to set you free he wants to set us free he wants to set us free because until we get unoffendable until we get unoffendable it's going to be a long trip around the mountain one more time I mean it unoffendable and if you do get offended then you know how to deal with it amen devil is so upset. So get your book. Keep your love on. We're in chapter one. Read it. Pray over it. You know, you really do. Everything in the kingdom, every one of our assignments is going to require relationships. Every one of our families, everything, it's going to be relational. It's the, it's heaven. It's the Trinity. It's the body. Amen. And pray for me, because I'll tell you, the things that the, the Lord is showing me and the things that I'm going after come with great warfare. Great warfare. Great warfare. And so I just appreciate your prayers, because I'm telling you, he really wants me to quit. Really wants me to leave this region. Really wants me out of here. Okay? And there are days when it is so intense there are really, really intense days. So I appreciate your prayers. And uh, yeah, let me bless you. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in this body. I thank you for what you're doing in this region. I thank you for what you're doing in hearts. And I thank you that you are after the real. You are after the authentic. You are after the whole. You are after the fullness of the stature of Christ. And you are not relenting until you get your inheritance. You're not, you, are, you, you died for a brilliant bride. <laughs> you died for a glorious bride. You died for a spotless bride, a whole bride. Hey, a healed bride. <laughs> yeah. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're getting what you paid for. 
I think you're getting your money's worth, your blood's worth. You're getting your blood's worth. You're getting every bit of your, everything that your blood purchased, you're going to get it. <laughs> I thank you that you're not going to, you're not going to settle. You're not settling for a half-baked bride. You're not settling for like an unfinished bride or one that has one little wrinkle or one that has one little spot on it. No, you're coming for the full, full bolt, the full inheritance that belongs to you. And I thank you, Jesus, that um, you're leading and guiding us just every step of the way. Thank you. Thank you that love is the aim. Thank you that it's the target. Thank you that it's the purpose. Thank you that it's the reason. Thank you that it's the whole enchilada. And I thank you that you are doing it. And thank you that we don't have to do it in ourselves and we don't have to do it in each other, that your grace is abundant and that your love covers and that it heals and that it does the work. Thank you, Father, you're doing the work. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the one. You're the orchestrator. You're, the, you're doing it. 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 Thank you. And thank you. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the, just thank you. We just thank you on this side of it. Thank you. Thank you for glorified saints. Thank you for repaired foundations. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you for, yeah, I just thank you that we're in school. Thank you that we're in love school. That we're in Liberty School. Thank you that we are in Kingdom School. I just bless everyone's week, God. I bless their conversations. I bless their ears to hear. I bless their time, God. I bless their their um, their steps and just every moment of this next week, God. I bless every second of their of their week, God. Every whether they're awake, whether they're sleeping, whether they're working, whether they're eating, whether they're whatever they've got going on this week, God. And I pray for your agenda for everyone's week. I pray that it would be heaven's agenda for every person this week, God. And even if the, there's hard things that come, God, even if there's there's difficult things that come, God, I thank you that you're right in the midst of them. And that I thank you that even in the midst of them, there is something amazing, amazing for us, God, in that. Thank you that there's perfect peace in that. And we thank you, Lord, that as we are just hearing you, we're obeying you. And as we're obeying you, transformation is happening.